I love buildings. Unfortunately, like I, I actually, it's not unfortunate, <laughs> but like I love buildings. I, I and I love and, and I love two very Sorry particular types. Sorry to all types. the earth lovers out there. All yeah, the I, love, lovers, I love buildings. Yeah, I love buildings. I love buildings. Um, I love urban spaces, but I particularly love skyscrapers and stadiums. The beings I love are creatures. They were born by chance. My meeting with them was also. glass of water real host <laughs> one second okay <laughs> this is cool this reminds me of when uh, I was doing sound for my friend's uh-huh. film and it it feels it feels very similar yeah just love I love having bionic hearing so I can just hear <laughs> the sound of the water <laughs> bionic hearing yeah, that's how it felt. I have a yeah. There was some guy who was removing paint from his truck, and he was maybe a hundred or two hundred feet away, and I could hear him like scraping it off. <laughs> it was really, it was remarkable. I pointed it to him, and I could hear his with the boom mic. Mm-hmm. Which was like cobbled together from like a, sh- a shotgun mic for a camera, and mm-hmm. then I had to put. Uh, elastic bands on it to hold it in place because uh-huh. they didn't have an actual mic that would fit on the pole on the boom pole <laughs> <laughs> that's sick i've honestly been thinking about getting like a, a shotgun mic just because i was like we got this whole selection yeah <laughs> start doing like getting like the groundhog mm-hmm. and he awakens chewing away <laughs> what <do> you say? <laughs> Just like, uh, yeah. Hey, the reason I bought that cookbook is because when I like I picked it up and mm-hmm. I did, I like immediately turned to that like recipe and Ang and I both just like in <laughs> bookhouse were just like, no. <laughs> like, which, which one? The uh, the groundhog. The one. groundhog <laughs> recipe. <laughs> Jack is licking his lips. <laughs> mm, pickled beaver, sweet pickled beaver. <laughs> Oh man! Come on, dog! <laughs> Come, Come on, on, man! Come on, dog! Don't, don't, don't eat the beaver, dog! Don't eat the beaver, man! So, uh, Sam, yes, what's up, dude? Ah, uh, um, been just <laughs> I've been working a lot. I feel like this has been the most stressful semester of my time at college so far. Yeah, you're in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Sam is uh Sam is our youngest friend. Yes. Yeah. It's pretty it's pretty dope to know 
to be making intergenerational dialogues with Sam. I love it. I love it. I, personally, <laughs> personally, no, and I'm, and I'm not, and I'm not unaccustomed to it either, which I think is something that, yeah, at least, it seems to be somewhat uncommon amongst many of my peers that that's somewhat of a gradual process. But yeah, Sam. Uh, so, do you want to talk a little bit about how we met? I would. Yeah, I would. Um, because I, I, I happen to like the story. I think it's really, it's really cool. Um, so we met through uh, a mutual friend um, who used to live here, but I met this mutual friend. Tony. Who, yes, Tony. We can do Okay, okay. I met, I met Tony. Shouts out Tony. Yeah. Out there living in Utah. He's listening. Wonderful. Um, but I met him through... This Discord server um, that was that's run by this organization. Do not research. Uh, I don't know if anyone listening is familiar. Probably some people. Yeah, but um, certainly. Yeah. Yeah, but I met him through that because I was coming to school in Minnesota, and I was I was just trying to find someone who you know. Or, or some people who might be here who were also, I guess, had similar interests. And so he hit me up and we went climbing. And then he mentioned to me that uh, you had graduated from the school that I currently attend. Yeah. Um, but I didn't meet you in person until April of the next year. Yeah. Of 2022. Um because there was an art show in Massachusetts, and I was I was in the, in school in school at that time. Yeah. Um, and uh, you also happened to be there, but but we didn't interact all that much, unfortunately. But I do remember taking a picture of of your outfit though, <laughs> and I was and I put it on my story I'm like, yeah, this this is awesome. This guy is awesome. Um, I was wearing Tony's like neon green archy shell oh hell yeah and then i had on i don't really remember what else but um yeah so that was the that was a do not research art show which i i'm not i wasn't that affiliated with but me and tony flew out to massachusetts to attend it and sam you're from massachusetts mm -hmm. western or sorry central massachusetts yeah, yeah. Don't want to get it twisted. famously confused for western <laughs> Mass. yes yes i can Yes, I, but I think also a lot of people think that I'm from Western Mass because I also talk about it a lot. Yeah. I just generally talk about Massachusetts. Why, so. do, why do you talk about Massachusetts so much? Uh, um, I think, I mean, part of it is because I'm from there, but also there's <laughs> there's this musician, DJ Lucas, um, from Amherst, uh, 413, uh, Western Mass, and so I, I just started because I talk about him so much. I think people, uh, you know, kind of, uh, thought that I too was from Western Massachusetts. Like I had like, cause I guess there's some shared, you know, like cultural background, but central mass is between Western and central mass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, about, yeah. How, about how many there's, miles there's separate. There's <laughs> some commonality. There's some commonality. Well, I mean that I like to think of Massachusetts as like, ex except for the Cape. I don't, I don't count the Cape as being part of Massachusetts, but I like 
thinking about it yeah. as existing as like three distinct domains. So you have the urbanized eastern um, eastern third of the state, which is the area around Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Central Mass, which is where I'm from, which is this kind of intermediate zone uh, you know, <laughs> between uh, you know the metropolis and you know the rural uh, you know the. Uh, I'm the rural third of the state, which is Western Mass, because I, I mean, at a certain point, it's the, just mountains. The, the Gothic, bucolic Western Mass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. College campuses and mm-hmm. witches and exactly whatnot. So, so when you call when you say that Central Mass is the is the trenches, you mean you mean that quite literally? Is it there's a trench in between yeah. Western and Eastern Massachusetts? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I would I would say so. You know, it's definitely like a never realm. I don't think many people like go out of their way to like visit central Massachusetts. Um, Worcester specifically. Yes, Worcester. Worcester, Worcester specifically. Worcester, Massachusetts, which is where I'm from. I've spent uh, the vast majority of my life there, save for a few a few months living in the South after my birth. But yeah. The but south it, of Massachusetts? No, <laughs> no, no. Southern Massachusetts. Well, I mean, southern Massachusetts is a pretty depressed place, but uh, no, no. Tennessee, Chattanooga, to be specific. Unfortunately, I don't have any memories, but yeah, it looks like a very beautiful place. Significantly uh, warmer than, than central Massachusetts. <laughs> awesome. So we met at that show, um, but not really. And then, how did we actually get in touch in Minnesota? I asked for your number because Tony um, sent uh, an essay you wrote. It was um, like like one of these narrative essays that you wrote yeah. about um, you know your time. Uh, I think it was before going to college, but it resonated with me. You know, it was kind of uncertainty. I was coming back. I had only been in school for about a semester at that point and mm-hmm. was feeling very uncertain, you know, in regards to my decision to return. Um, and so I got your number. I asked, um, to meet up with you and to talk, uh, you know, just seeking some advice and I think maybe the first week I was there, um, we ended up meeting and we had a nice conversation. We went mm-hmm. on a walk in the neighborhood where at where I was living at the time, so yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. I, th- <clears throat> I feel like we met on a walk. Was was that walk where we went down by the river the first time that we met, or do we? No, meet? we no. met. We met before. I, I went the first time. I went to Sam's. He gave me his address, and I pulled up, and it was the address of um, one of my ex girlfriends. Yeah, that like, and he was living in her room. <laughs> And I was, I was like instantly like the, like God is like sending me like a, <laughs> like a, like now I have to look after this young man. Yeah. No, it was really, it was really remarkable, you know, just, you know, just like by chance, you know, very, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I would say that like, even though I tend to think that I'm somewhat down on my luck at times, I'm, I, I don't think I'm a stranger to serendipitous moments. Like that was certainly one of them. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in, in usually when 
you know, when they truly are serendipitous, I'm like, I'm like, wow, you know? Yeah. But yeah, it's just been, uh, I guess it's been, it's been delightful getting to know you, mm-hmm. Sam. And, uh, I feel like, um, it's not unusual to find young people who are searching for themselves, but it's unusual to find young people who are, um, maybe doing it as sort of seriously or like earnestly as you. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's been dope to be able to have conversations about life with Mm -hmm. someone. Um, I mean, I don't have any siblings and yeah. Yeah. And my, my sister is older than me, so it does have like a different feeling to it completely. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I really appreciate that as well. I feel like it's, uh, there's this like feeling sometimes when, when talking to you that like, uh, that I've, I've mentioned to Nick before where it's like, like you encounter these, these problems that like all of us have gone through yeah, and we all have this instinctual reaction to like, just be like, it's all good, man. Like it's like light, it, light gets better. at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, but like I had this like, this thing where I was like, but I like, don't, I like, don't remember like what I like would actually need to hear like from that age, you know? Well, and, and, and you can't, there's nothing, you know, no, there's nothing to be like said, but it's just like, it's almost like, yeah, it's like, like this experience of aging where it's like, I like know what it's like to be that age. Yeah. But I like also just don't anymore, you know, like it's such a different like state um, that like, there's something interesting about like having conversations with you and like experiencing that. Um, I feel like it really, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's just like, it, 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 uh, brings like a, like a, like a fullness to, you know, my own like, uh, memories of my, you know, even like a decade ago. that's wonderful that's wonderful well it's something that i really appreciate um you know i you know i think just because i like perspective and i just you know i you know i value i value advice and actually engaging in you know these kinds of meaningful conversations because you know as much as like i'm deriving something from it you know and that i you know I learn from others experience, you know, I, I mean, it's a, it's a reciprocal, it's, it's, it's a reciprocal interaction, you know, just, I, I think, you know, that just attests to what Hank said. Um, so I, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm very appreciative. I'm very appreciative of it. Uh, this is dope. Yeah. This is dope. <laughs> We're all just like, yeah, dude, <laughs> we appreciate each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hell yeah. I, uh, I don't know. What do you, what do you, what should we talk about? <laughs> I don't, I don't really know. I just like, yeah. I, uh, you know, I just, I want to, I want to think me, that it would be, I want I think you should, yeah. I want to read this quote from Carl Jung's autobiography, which I just started reading because Sam, I feel like one of the things that, um, I was writing about in that essay that you reached out to me kind of Mm -hmm. on the basis of, um, and something that you've always been kind of unafraid of 
talking to me about is kind of like, um, I don't know, I guess adolescence, aging, kind of like the, uh, the twilight of, of childhood. Oh yeah. Yeah. And like what it, what it feels like to like become an adult. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I was actually just thinking about it again the other night and it really, and it really hit me. Yeah. It really hit me. Comes back at night. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, here, let me, let me read this. So this is like Carl Jung. He's talking about like how, when he was a kid, he used to like play with this stone. Um, like in the way a lot of kids do, they have like objects. Like I remember I had a stick mm-hmm. that I used to stick into like the, the like empty, like knot of like a tree. Yeah. And like I, I ascribe to it like sort of like animistic qualities. Mm-hmm. Like it was my friend, but it was also like, you know, it had like a life of its own. Mm-hmm. Um, like I would put it back in the tree when I was done with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's he's doing kind of a similar thing with this with this stone um but i'll but i'll just read this i'll read this passage because it reminded me of conversations we've had um in front of this wall was a slope in which was embedded a, a stone that jutted out my stone often when i was alone i sat down on this stone and then began an imaginary game that went something like this i am sitting on top of this stone and it is underneath but the stone could also say I and think, I am lying here on this slope and he is sitting on top of me. The question then arose, am I the one who is sitting on the stone or am I the stone on which he is sitting? This question always perplexed me and I would stand up wondering who was what now. The answer remained totally unclear and my uncertainty was, company, was accompanied by a feeling of curious and fascinating darkness. But there was no doubt whatsoever that this stone stood in some secret relationship to me I could sit on it for hours, fascinated by the puzzle it set me. Thirty years later, I again stood on that slope. I was a married man, had children, a house, a place in the world, and a head full of ideas and plans. And suddenly I was again the child who had kindled a fire full of secret significance and sat down on a stone without knowing whether it was I or I was it. I thought suddenly of my life in Zurich, and it seemed alien to me, like news from some remote world and time. This was frightening, for the world of my childhood in which I had just become absorbed was eternal, and I had been wrenched away from it and had fallen into a time that continued to roll onward, moving farther and farther away. The pull of that other world was so strong that I had to tear myself violently from the spot in order to not lose hold of my future. Wow, that's <laughs> beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's really beautiful. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so what's it like being an adolescent nowadays? I mean, I think that it's strange, um, especially at least, and I, I, I think, and, and I think it always hits me after, after my birthday. I'm usually, I'm not someone who like ascribes like great significance. Maybe when I was younger, I always ascribed great significance to like the passage of time at at least at least my birthday yeah um but i think in the past year um where now i feels as if i've entered this intermediate stage where i can sense that you know like the 
like the grasp that childhood uh, formerly held on me is slipping away. Mm. Um, it's certainly frightening because I think it was, it's not, of course, it's not like the first time I thought about my mortality, but it was the first time in which I felt like I, I was losing some connection to my past. Mm. Um, you know, but I don't, I, I don't know if I have anything like, say young stone that i ascribe you know the significance to that i feel sure um but certainly just i think about you know my memories and the way that i engage with them uh i think part of it is too that the pandemic is was so hard there was like this you know immediate temporal shift i jumped um how old were you when the pandemic hit I was, I had just turned 17. I had just turned 17, <laughs> so which is so up, crazy. Yeah. And now I'm like, like pretty much on the eve of my 21st birthday. Yeah. Um, so like a lot, like, like that formative period, um, like right at the end of high school, um, into like the very beginning of college. I didn't, I didn't really get to experience that. Um, and it was a struggle, uh, it was a struggle. And so I think in, but like over the summer, over this past summer, it was like the first time that I really had thought about, wow, my life is, it's progressing. I kind of don't, yeah. Mm -hmm. I've, I've lost these touchstones that, you know, I formerly had used to ground myself, um, and that, you know, as each year passes, I'm, you know, fervor and fervor away I'm, <laughs> I'm i'm fervor and fervor away from you know this experience which i used to take to be the present hmm. and it's it's strange and part of it too is that i'm almost at the end of my time in college now yeah and i can't believe it because it has um because it's felt almost as if i haven't even been here hmm. um i think that's part of so I, I, I just don't necessarily feel as if I'm ready yet. And that's really what I think so many people are confronting now. And they're just kind of lax. I, I, I think that a lot of people my age seem to just lack uh, the kinds of formative life experiences mm. that would help to ease that transition where you see life as you know, this gradual, you know, transition from one state to the next. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the rupture that was the pandemic, uh, I think, expedited that and has kind of forced people to confront a lot of things um, that they probably might have had a much easier time doing. Well, I mean, it's no secret that our generation has had a protracted <laughs> state of adolescence. Oh, of course. Yeah. You know, and... And your generation is a little different, Sam, because mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, your adolescence was truncated mm -hmm. by what you were exposed to yeah. from an early age. But in a lot of ways, the the, the type of um, almost the like historicity of an individual life that you're talking about, that gradual integration into like forward moving time ha has also placed you in a state where it's harder to mature. And I think we feel that too, mm -hmm. but, but I feel, I feel weirdly cross-generational because I, for me, I, I, I grew up in this twilight sort of 1990s 
uh, thing that like feels, you know, that would be like Jung's like stone for me. <laughs> it's like, um, I mean, I, gr- I gr- we didn't have the internet, you know, when mm-hmm. I was a kid. That's really what we're, that's maybe that's like the, yeah. the elephant in the room we're talking about. But I think that's also strange um, because I also, like, I do remember having the internet, but there's this weird kind of, and I, and I think it really, a lot of it has to do with the advent of the smartphone. Yeah. But there is this period of time during my early childhood where I still, like, physical media um you know like the you know like the scourge of digitization hadn't really happened yet so there was like this weird period in which i was still surrounded by you know the technology of you know yesteryear like flip phones i, I remember when my mother got a, a smartphone for the first time it was a really strange experience it was like stepping into the future yeah um to a certain extent and we had a crt television Uh um cathode ray tube yeah yeah yeah. um and uh you know we had a vhs player and i remember going to like renting movies from from like blockbuster like these are all strange yeah so i think that uh it's certainly like more pronounced where like you can definitely sense that shift, but I think it happened maybe to people who, you know, came uh, like five, maybe 10 years later yeah. where it's like that still, you know, that sense um, of, you know, this pretty profound shift in the way that we interact and consume, yeah. uh, you know, media and, you know, are exposed to information um, certainly, certainly happened. Um, so you have, you have consciousness of that process. Yeah. 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 Cause I didn't, I didn't have a computer, like my own computer until I was, yeah. I mean, and I know it's like, it's late. Uh, well, no, it's, it's like fairly early, but I was like 12 or 13 before. Cause, cause I feel like the mm-hmm. essentialized narrative about our generational divide is mm-hmm. and like, this is something that like Josh Citarella has promulgated. Yeah. Is that like, we we experienced the trauma of 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 the scourge of digitization as yeah. you put it but that gen z is somehow um inoculated against it do you think that's not totally true i mean yeah i i i don't think that's entirely true yeah unfortunately just because like there was a pretty significant shift that happened in my childhood towards the end towards you know the beginning of my teen years yeah. where I used to play outside a lot as a kid mm. and um, I also used to read a lot but I think probably after the age of maybe 11 or 12 that like almost all stopped mm. um, because I either had a computer or I had access to uh, you know video games and you know I, I also remember when social media really took off like there were um, at least I'm not, I'm not referring to Facebook, but I'm certainly referring to, you know, arguably like more pernicious forms. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, you could say like, like Instagram, Instagram yeah. and yeah. Snapchat. Yeah. I remember when that was new. Um, and you know, it was, it was certainly strange cause it, it really altered the kinds of, you know, communication and the kinds of activities that 
I mean, of course, uh, you know, I inevitably, like everyone aged out of playing in the woods, but, uh, you know, it was definitely, I, I, I do remember, I remember being frustrated that, you know, friends of mine didn't really want to play mm. in the woods anymore. Um, meet me on Roblox. Yeah, exactly. But I'm, but I'm, what's also weird, at least I'm going to talk about Roblox for a second, is that that existed when I was six, you know, it it was something that kids used to play on, on the, on the, on the computers in the, um, they're still doing the public library. It's crazy that Roblox is still around. My students are still doing it. They banned Roblox at my school. (laughs) Wow. Wow. (laughs) One of my students said verbatim to me the other day, it, it all went downhill after they banned Roblox. <laughs> and by it all went downhill, he meant his life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh well, that's gosh. just when it was like a flash game, which yeah. is so weird because now it's a game as service. Like it's just a service. People just, you know, there's, there's a communal a aspect. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The user, the yeah. Roblox usery. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. My kids talk about Robux. Mm-hmm. I was I was I was teaching them how to do it uh, claim evidence reasoning, which is like a, a formula for writing a paragraph. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like teasing them about you know you wouldn't use it in a everyday situation where I just say hey how's how's your day going? You wouldn't do a claim evidence reasoning. <laughs> but this one kid was like, claim I'm having a good day. Evidence I got Robux today. <laughs> reasoning therefore I'm having a good day. <laughs> excellent you know i was like good job it's a perfect argument it's a perfect argument oh my gosh but that's that's enough about me um so yeah so i mean i feel like um we 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 met because you know like like a lot of maybe our newer friends we kind of met through the internet Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you're a person who meets a lot of people that way yes um but you also uh, have, you know, a whole other side to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you, uh, I don't know, how do you like, uh, how do you see yourself in in your development as a person and like socially um, in, in terms of your like, do you, do you, do you still see the internet as, as a, um, connective force despite like you know the problems it presents <laughs> it's a great question yeah. um i think that i think that i'm I, i'm certainly more ambivalent about the subject well actually yeah i i would say that i'm more ambivalent about the subject i i i've I, i've definitely um oscillated between two poles mm-hmm. but i would say i'm i'm fairly ambivalent because I I have met like genuine connections through the internet, not just counting the two of you. Like there, like I I was in New York last last winter, and mm-hmm. the entire time I was there, save for like one day, I almost solely interacted with people whom I knew from the internet. And I've called like it's. I would say that it can be remarkable, but you, but I I don't think many people have that experience because they're not seeking out the kinds of people like I I would say that I'm lucky because I turned to the internet when I didn't when I couldn't find people 
in real life who I felt could connect with me in the ways that I was looking for. And then I found those people online. I wouldn't necessarily, at least to a certain extent, um, you know, but I also do think that it can be uh, damaging, um, especially if you know so many people online that your online presence becomes their or like your online presence becomes synonymous with who you are as a person. Um, I mean, I know that a lot of people will never experience micro celebrity um, and probably don't post enough for, uh, you know, the construction of, you know, all of these narratives, Mm. uh, you know, that can come to define your life. But I certainly, I certainly have uh, it. It became like effectively, a means of, you know, practicing therapy and, you know, there, you know, there are benefits to that, but there are also considerable downsides. And I think that the downsides at a certain point started to outweigh the benefits because it just, it's just not, it's, it's unfortunate that that's a form of that for some people that becomes a form of self-medication because Mm -hmm you you know there's an audience of people who you might know but you probably don't and effectively you're publicizing your own issues for hundreds if not thousands of people if you know i mean if there are more yeah um and sometimes it would be fun but also it's like i at a certain point i felt like if if i wasn't like turning to instagram to uh you know, as as a palliative, I, I I like had to use it in order to like generate engagement. Like it, I actually, <laughs> at a certain point, yeah. I'm like, you know, I want to sustain this. I'm, uh, you know, because I would like when people would engage with me. It was validating. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and not in a way that like, like liking a post is, but like, I feel like liking a story. Um, you know, taking the time to look at something so ephemeral being like, oh, that's funny. Yeah. Oh, and then, and then they would get used in memes. And so I eventually like found myself circulating around and it, 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 it was cool until it, it became frightening. It's like, oh, I, I don't know to what extent I'm in control of my own, <laughs> yeah, yeah. of my own narrative because I produce so much narrative content, effectively producing so much narrative content about my life that's seen by so many people, many of whom I don't know, yeah. that it becomes, it's, it's really frightening. You know, you lose a, a sense of self. Mm-hmm. I, I just remember someone came up to me and knew, knew about my Instagram and, and introduced themselves as such as knowing about it. And, you know, but I don't know, made like some snide remark or something. It's like, oh, this is not good. You know, this is not good yeah. that, you know, my you Instagram presence, you know, it precedes you. Exactly. 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 Yeah, I'm, I'm going to sound like an old head, but yeah. <laughs> I, I experienced that, you know, almost over, oh, really, yeah, over a decade ago when I moved to New York. I uh, I was in the era of Facebook. I don't know you if you remember this era of Facebook, Sam, but it was the brief era of like net art when people were using pseudonymous names on Facebook. 
and there was a lot of groups, Facebook groups, where all the all the you know people were sharing their C punk uh, edits of music of songs and like. You probably don't remember this. No, I'm only I yeah. like <laughs> like I'm only familiar. Um, I mean, you were you were you were like 11. Yeah, yeah I was. A, yeah, I was definitely a child. Yeah. Wait, how old were you in 2012? Oh God. <laughs> it's strange. It's strange. Yeah. Um, you know, because I feel like that'd be an an interaction, you know, that you might have with someone who's who's like old and it's like, oh man, or like if. If if I was I am old. No, 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 I'm not I'm not referring to you, but like uh say say you oh ask someone gosh. in their 70s how yeah. old they were in in like 1960 something it's like oh <laughs> I don't know. Um no, I was I was 9. I was 9 years of age. I so was when 9 Chief years Keith of age. So came out you were 9. Yeah. yeah. I actually it's it's crazy cuz I remember listening to Chief Keith when I was 10. I remember listening to Chief Kiefer. I was like, "Man, this this sucks. This is terrible." <laughs> that was the that was that was the messaging around Chief Keef back then. Yep, people were saying he was trash, and then it and then there was a, a renaissance, and it was everyone yeah. changed their mind. Mm-hmm. I remember well, I also you, you like used to 10. go on YouTube, and everyone was just making negative comments. Yeah, mm-hmm. same with Soldier Boy. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, that that same thing happened to me. I went to a party in New York and. I was using a pseudonym uh, on Facebook. I, I had taken the name of my cat, Percy. So my name was Percy J.R. Henderson. And someone came up to me and introduced me to their girlfriend as Percy. Wow. wow. That used to happen to me. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, there are people who, who refer to me that I've known for some time as my screen name. Yeah. And I don't, I'm sorry. I mean, like, I know it's, indi- but I don't like it. It's like, I feel like you know me, like. You know, I should be, you know, it should be possible to separate me yeah. from, you know, the persona which I've crafted for myself. Um, oh, I have a question about yeah. that. Because you, because um, you, I mean, you do divulge things on social media. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> so, like, do you, do you see, do you still see it as a persona? Cause you don't, you don't do, you don't have the second account anymore where you do like memes and stuff. Yeah. I do. I just don't use it that don't much. Use it. Yeah. And I don't think people knew that that was me. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people, I don't think there's a lot of people that know that yeah. that is me. Um, but I think that it was less so that about me thinking that like my posting was a persona in the fact that I became concerned that other people um, you know, spectators mm-hmm. would see it as a persona, you know, just because the rate of posting and the kind of posting, uh, it, you know, it was somewhat sensational. Yeah. Um, I mean, it wasn't something that I was trying to, but it was just like at a certain point, if I was like drunk, I think people would, would, would expect me to just start posting. <laughs> it was almost like oh, a shit. subconscious <laughs> expectation. Like, Oh, and then and then I would and then people would discuss it with me. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. But I I wanted I I wanted to be done with that. Yeah, I wanted that, to be done with that. That's it, also ex- expressly like a very dark thing. Like, oh I yeah. Mean, I mean, getting drunk and like saying something is like one thing, and then waking up the next morning and feeling that sh- that shame, that regret. Oh my but god. But then having it be like 
that part of your personality is like this like i want to discuss this thing you said last night that it was i saw on the internet it's yes. like a very uh it's a perpetuation of that that's like yes i'm sure yeah no it's it's on on you yeah it's frightening it's frightening i mean i think part of it is just it's it's a holdover from you know the kinds of you know uh methods that i developed to attempt to deal with a lot of the stress yeah and anxiety that uh you know was provoked by the pandemic but well i think sorry this is i'm interjecting but i feel like a an important emotion in the development of a young person especially a young man is 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 despair (laughs) um but it ordinarily or i don't want to say ordinarily because there's no necessarily ordinary but like I I think um, it's unusual for that to be become transparent to the world um, Mm -hmm. through through social media. um, You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Like I remember feeling that like all the time when I was nineteen. You know, absolutely. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I uh, I guess I I appreciate. Sam, your, um, I don't want to say authenticity because that, that carries a sort of whole bunch of connotations, but like I, for better or worse, like I appreciate your sort of raw, like being yourselfness, Mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah. whether it's in, in, in your in-person self to me is quite, has quite a different emotional timbre from the way you post sometimes. Oh yeah. But I appreciate both. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Definitely. Um, the Bob videos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. thinking about your online persona and like, I feel like the, the moment something like switched for me where I was like, this is like kind of strange was that, that like edit that they had that someone made of your bopping video and yeah. people were just commenting fishman below it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. No, I remember that. And people, and people are like, what is this? I don't get, and, and people at school were like, who, who's comment commenting this? Who, who are these people? Yeah. And I think some, and, and at certain points, like, I don't even know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Cause like, at least online, I think, you know, like to a certain extent, my reputation does precede me, at least on at least online. I mean, in real life, it does, too. Um, <laughs> I mean, I wish it wasn't. I wish that wasn't the case. I mean, in, in, in very many reasons, but at least my online persona. But online. Yeah. I mean, people people know me by that name and it's really strange. Yeah. Um, it's it's really strange. But I, I mean, there are. I mean, there were so many times over the last year when there was just something that I would put on my story or just something I'd do, and it would end up in my feed or something as a meme, or <sighs> like I would just like find things of mine. That sounds like even even something as simple as that sounds like reality breaking to me. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> that would be like so. Yeah, that would like... break my brain. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was like wow. You're not you're not really performing. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. No, I just I just am. I think part of it is that uh you know, I it's strange. It's strange cuz oftentimes I don't think of myself as performing um but I guess that there's something about my character that people seem to be drawn to and that and also the, you know, my manner of speech and 
I think people think of it as performative, but it's like I don't, I don't, I don't no, know. It's no, not. it's not. I, at all. I, I, I can't, I can't speak any other way. You're, a, you're a hundred percent you. Exactly. And we love you for that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So, I want to get into some of your interests. Oh, me too. Yeah. Excellent. Because <laughs> you've got a lot of good interests. Um, what should we start with? You love Chicago. I do love Chicago. I do love Chicago. And it's strange because uh, I don't think I'd ever once say, 
don't know, but I, I, I've liked Chicago for a long time. It's just within the past few well, years. You never Had you ever visited it when you were younger? No, no, I hadn't. I hadn't. But actually, I was supposed to visit Chicago right before the pandemic. Um, supposed to visit Chicago in April of, twen- of 20... 2021 i think actually so it wasn't before the pandemic but there was the hope that you know it would have subsided or april of 2020 i don't remember which it was i think it was april of 2020 actually because i was i was i was going to go to look at the university of chicago and my father at a conference and we were going to go yeah um that was the first time but i i think part of it like my interest in Chicago because you're something of an urbanist. Yes, it has multiple mm-hmm. phases, but it has yeah. to. But it starts with like, I love buildings. Unfortunately, like I, I actually, it's not unfortunate, <laughs> unfortunate, but like, I love buildings. I, I and I love and, and I love two very Sorry particular. Sorry to all types. the earth lovers out there. All yeah, the I, love lovers, I love buildings. Yeah, I love buildings. I love buildings. Um, I love urban spaces, but I particularly love skyscrapers and stadiums. Yeah. The, the sta- I'm, I'm, I'm a bit more particular about stadiums, but certainly skyscrapers. And I don't know, I was attracted to Chicago, um, more so than New York, just because rich architectural history. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was just something about it. Like, I mean, Chicago is held as an underdog. It's the in, second city. Yeah, the yeah. second city, I mean, and now it's really the third if you're thinking about population. Yeah. Um, but there's just something about it. I mean, now that I've been there, it's it it's remarkable um, because it has the same sense of scale as New York, at least in my opinion. You know, the downtown, you know, it might be smaller, but it still is over... It, it's not overwhelming in the exact same way, but... Uh, yeah, it's know, dwarfing though. Yes, certainly, mm-hmm. certainly, certainly. Um, and it's just, it's it's on, it, it looks like it's on the ocean and it has a yeah. river that runs right through it and you have skyscrapers bordering the river. Yeah. And it just really is like a remarkable, um, a remarkable place. But I, I was always interested in the architecture of Chicago um, and that's partially what... Uh, compelled me to apply to the university of chicago so i was considering going to school there yeah um but didn't work out for a number of reasons uh but it was close (laughs) uh you know i guess they liked my essay enough that you know they entertained me um but i ended up going there in the summer for the first time um the summer of 2022 and i loved it I was like, wow, this this is probably the best city in the that I've ever been to. And it was crazy, too, because, I mean, there were so many reasons for me to dislike it. I, I think chief among them was that I was, like, severely constipated <laughs> the entire time. Like, I, like, couldn't eat because I was in so much pain. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, we have to go here. And get a hot dog. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh. deep, deep dish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Just like... Uh, yeah um but i loved it um and but then that all and that also extends to the music um as well so i think that as uh, like as much as i continue to like the architecture of the city um and like you know the the urban landscape its organization um i also you know fell in love with the music because uh, it's so unique 
it's so unique. Um, like Chicago footwork is fascinating. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, bop and drill are also fascinating. Um, and you know, un kind of unheralded. You know, Chicago has you know a, you know a rich musical history that is oftentimes overlooked. Yeah, um, it's no love. Yeah, none. I mean, like pretty much all electronic dance music is descendant from uh you know innovations that occurred in chicago um you can think of footwork as being uh you know an iteration of that and even bop like i think that's what's really remarkable is that you have a kind of synthesis between cross-pollination yeah exactly um you know a a cross-pollination between uh you know, sonic elements derived from dance music um, and electronic music and elements derived from rap and hip-hop because, I mean, Chicago has a really large African-American population, um, you know, and... but and who, it's, who, many of whom, like, came there during the Great Migration mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. brought, like, great, like, blues and jazz influence, right? Yeah. Yes, Which yes. you can still hear in the hip-hop mm-hmm. and, and all of the... and the dance music, too. Yeah, but what I think is really so fascinating is just how visionary. Like I like I mean, and this is something that I just wrote about, but it's that but that's often overlooked is that so much of the music of Chicago is really like it, it speaks to a kind of future and it's remarkable too because these are places that, you know, like where the prospect of a future has like been permanently foreclosed, it like never existed. You know, just because of how segregated, like it really is a remarkably segregated city. Yeah. Um, like I've been to some of the poorest parts of Chicago and it's really, it's really, really depressing. It's really sad. Um, but, you know, it's, it's remarkable that those are the same uh, areas that have given birth to some of the most exuberant expressions of, you know, black sociality and, you know, black identity like, I mean, Bop came out of, like, the poorest community in Chicago, Austin. And I don't think I've heard any music that is as, like, exuberant it's, as Bop. It's ecstatic. Yeah. I know. It's it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, I mean, there's also... I'm just thinking... I think more and more people are starting to think about, uh, you know, the idea of culture as being um, stuck. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, for a number of reasons, it's become almost a commonplace to talk about exactly whether you're on the left or the right or yeah. In between. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But there is a recent, like, I think that it, you know, received its most high profile discussion in the New York times recently, but there is this one, Oh, I, I should I should find the quote, but it was about Chief Keef. It was about Chief Keef. Yeah. It said, you know, like the only real you know, the only real new sound the I mean the only thing that uh or you know, the only kind of music um that would have produced genuine future shock to a listener from ten years prior would be drill. Yeah. Um and then and then the author went on to say that, you know, Chief Keef in his grandmother's basement was following in the footsteps of Joyce in Wolf and, you know, other literary modernists, which I found, yeah. you know, was a really, really, you know, striking, um, you know, appraisal of his. Do you uh, know, do you know the origin of that term future shock? It's um, Alvin Toffler. 
No, I did not. He 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 wrote a lot about. Um, he was an interesting guy. He wrote he wrote about um, basically like. Um, yeah, I mean like information capitalism. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyways, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean I I was a I was a big listener of of drill music and and then bop music in my in my twenties <laughs> mm-hmm. when it was coming out and um, I was going through personally it not a good time mm-hmm. um, and I found that the incredible just affective um expressiveness of the music was something i had never never encountered before in any other type of music and um particularly bop music and the and the i think the most sort of fully realized strains of it in artists like sicko mob oh yeah was something that um became almost sacred for me to the point of obsessiveness oh yeah yeah no i i Um, know exactly i i still have like i still have a a memory of listening to sicko mob super saiyan volume one for the first time yeah i was i was laying on on uh damien's bed we were like we were both just like laying back i think we were like stoned out of our gourds yeah he put on sicko mob it's like 20 13 or 14 yeah i forget when it came out but like just like <laughs> i was like blown away like i still have that like yeah i was just like like what is <laughs> like what is this yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 and 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 the sense of a the sense of an eternal present is mm-hmm. is, is sort of like thrumming in that music right yeah mm-hmm. whether it's the the way the drums become a kind of um I don't even know, like expressive element rather mm-hmm. than just a beat that you rap over. Yeah. Whether it's the sort of like ascending, con- continually ascending, like synthesized. I, it's just like hard to describe. Yeah. The drums, yeah. The, you know, the drums are necessary. Like I, I, I talked about you know, this kind of straight is kind of middle ground that it strikes between, uh, you know, the rhythmic complexity of something like footwork Yeah, where, you know, it's, it, it's certainly, like there's a degree of syncopation and the programming is really, really complex, but it also still like finds itself within the confines of rap. But that lends itself to the you know the, the gestural expression of this music, which is bopping, yeah. which which is the dance itself, and it's surprisingly hard. Ha- having learned it, it's like it's not something that's really easy, but it's. You know that music is inseparable from the dance. Yeah. Um, and I guess in much the same way as footwork, like part of its distinct sonic palette was informed by the demands of dancers. I mean, it didn't get faster um, per se. I mean, it 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 did. It's kind of weird. You can there's some you, songs that are if yeah, you listen uh-huh. if if you listen to enough of it, you can chart the shift. I think MBE have a party yes. is almost like 200 BPM. Or 190 or something like their that. Song, their song yeah. Cowabunga is <laughs> extremely fast. I mean, I don't know how, how they're capable of rapping over that. There's this other guy, Little Jado. Well, yeah. that's that's a Chicago <laughs> classic. Yeah, Chopper Rappers. Yeah. Eventually, it was all about speed. Yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah. So if it was going to come, if, if anyone was going to be rapping over, you mm-hmm. know, nearly mm-hmm. 200 beats per minute. Yeah. 
it's just very intense yeah um yeah and and you spoke about how i mean how do you see that as like because i think all of us here are interested in sort of like you know okay if we start from this place of, of acknowledging that the world we inhabit has kind of lost its sense of futurity um these places where we can begin from to kind of imagine um something good mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> you know like how do you see that in how do you see that in in that music that you're because you've been writing about this yeah yeah, yeah. well i think a lot of is it, it is it a feeling or is it a um it certainly is cuz i make a distinction here between bop and drill and i think drill is very interesting because it is new it it was new but it it's still kind of yeah. caught up in this kind of nihilism that doesn't necessarily posit something better it's interesting though because i mm-hmm. think that drill music in its in its original iteration is still incredibly reverent and almost has a sense of spiritual um spiritual it's not nihilistic ultimately no i think new, new rap music is yes. actually nihilistic yes, yes. The, the, the just shit talking kind of like yeah. exactly kind of almost like yeah. um it, it has sigma vibes new uh-huh. rap music you know what i mean yeah. yeah it didn't it didn't at that time yeah if you listen to that early stuff it's much more like um i mean it's like wagnerian <laughs> yeah 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 i mean i i you know I will contend. Sorry, that's a digression. No, 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 it's no, it's all right. I mean, I will contend that I do agree with you, but it is also hard, you know, to uh unfortunately to like to separate like the lyrical content from the kinds of, you know, racialization that have, you know, taken place on south on the south side of Chicago. Um I don't think that they were necessarily glorifying it. I did write about that, but it was it's more so like a reflection of a kind of like what is there to do when well, there you don't is, there have is opportunity. De- there is a desperation. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. It's more so like a kind of. I wouldn't. Know, I wouldn't deny that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, maybe I jumped the gun yeah. in describing it, but but I my my whole th- my point is that in that expression there is a kind of reverence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which unfortunately I I I feel like I I missed, um, but. I do, I do agree with you. Like, I don't, like, like, I don't necessarily think of drill, like, I listen to a lot of it. I don't necessarily think of it as being, like, wholly nihilistic. I just think that, like, if you look at the lyrics and what's being discussed and the fact that, and, 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 and also just situating it contextually, like, there, there hadn't been anything necessarily comparable to that where there was just these really macabre tales of, you know, death, um, you know, that were gaining, you know, widespread, uh, traction, um, and, and, and popularity, um, certainly more concerning, but I think Bop is interesting, uh, because it emerges from similar climate, you, you know, from similar social climate, um, you know, similar, uh, kinds of, you know, in, you know, confronting the same sense of impossibility, uh, but it, you know, it, 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 it speaks to the possibility of actually trying to locate some kind of, you know, sociality 
in a place that's been wholly atomized. Because, I mean, you know, just like the volume of, you know, killings, I mean, of course, that, that you know, there are so many other reasons. Like, I don't, I don't think that the music is necessarily responsible. There are a lot of people that think that the music is responsible. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that the music is responsible. I think it's more so a reaction than anything else. Yeah. It's just more so unfortunate. Um, but I think that that because Bop can emerge from that same place and channel these energies which have been suppressed, you know, oftentimes by, you know, external force. Yeah. And, you know, the continued trauma of poverty um and discrimination that so so many of these people have to confront on a daily life uh, on, on a daily basis or in their daily life um it's it's just it's just remarkable to yeah. me it's just and, and i think that's it you know that so many conceptions look at the at, at like the media and the kinds of values held by like the middle class or the or the consumer class Mm-hmm. And, you know, to a certain extent, I think that I don't I, I don't really foresee any kinds of progression emerging from that. But so, so you have to look for sites where, uh, you know, that kind of possibility has been foreclosed or just over. Yeah. You know, just overlooked. Yeah. And that's certainly one of them. I, you want to read that? I have I have, I have a quote, but you go. Hang I've I kind yeah. of have like a. Uh, a question that might lead us off into like a digression, mm-hmm. but um, where where do you place uh, ecstasy use within all of this? Because bopping has like a very clear yeah, and I don't and I don't mean I I, I wanted to bring it up oh. because like um, I have my I have my feelings on ecstasy, but like it's very prevalent in society. But like it's very interesting when there are these waves of ecstasy use that yes. like form mm-hmm. society, yeah, yeah, or like form like little cultural enclaves. Yeah. I'm thinking of like the second summer of love in England, mm-hmm. where it's like the late '80s, and you know there are these tale like like ecstasy comes through. You know that's the height of like like massive rave culture in England. And there's like tales of like you know rival rival soccer hooligan gangs just like yeah. getting together and just yeah. being like we're the, like we're the same you know and like yeah. and like and just like the like gang warfare stopped there mm-hmm. or or like or like New York in the '90s yep. with like the tunnel and stuff there was like uh-huh. Long Island thugs partying with like downtown kids and like, exactly yeah and and I don't think that like you know. MDMA therapy is going to is going <laughs> yeah. to cure us all. Hell like no. that's no uh, because it's like these these it's a, it's ex- a subcultural usage. Of yeah, them. yeah. It's 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 there are certain people primed to do it because you know yeah. Travis Scott's clearly out here doing ecstasy. It's not like <laughs> right. Yeah, know, like, yeah. <laughs> it's not. And and look what he's doing with it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I just mean like I think that it it in certain situations uh when it clearly creates these like subcultures um it oh it it just allows like the freedom of movement to believe in yes in what they're doing <laughs> really <Yeah>. like <laughs> that's, totally that's, totally um because in in that you know in that space in in 
in South and West Chicago, like there's there's not a lot to believe in. No, no. But like if you and your gang are all like getting together and like you're making like this crazy music yeah. and you're like off ecstasy and yeah, you're like really connecting, you know, you connect with each other and like you, you know, it, it creates that split, that, that space to like actually like believe that something is possible. Yeah. I think it, well, yeah, that's, it's something, it's something that I didn't think about. And then I was just like, wow. Yeah. So much of this music makes like, explicit reference to molly well and it feels like yeah. it feels yeah. like rolling <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Like it, it almost i mean to this day when when the when springtime comes i'll put that music on and yeah. i'll feel this just incredible yeah. sense of presence and dopamine that's almost like terrifying i mean mm-hmm. an ecstasy to me is it's sublime it's like not in the sense of just good but it's like in the kantian sublime it's like yeah it's so immense that it's terrifying mm-hmm. absolutely you know what i mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's like incredible potential that lurk that yeah sort of yeah yeah yes. and it's it's i i do want to preface that or not preface but but put at the end there that i don't it is my belief that ecstasy uh, the experience of being on ecstasy is like, even though it's like additive, I think it's more just like a portal to like, to like normal, like, like how, how you can like view yourself as like oh, an certain. entity. Yeah. Um, like, and you don't need, you know, you don't need it. You're like, I think so too. It. I think, I'm, I think it has multiple sides to it, but clear. I mean, clearly yeah. because our, you know, yeah. it's, it's this kind of thing where it's like, you say like, Oh, that like, you just need ecstasy or like, you just need right. to like drop acid. Like, that's not how that works yeah. at all. <laughs> but I know what you mean. Like yeah. in, in it's, in it's sort of in it's, in it's most, um, the element of it that, corresponds to reality is is what you're talking about yeah that sense where it almost shows you how it shows you what lo- like un- un- uninterrupted love kind of feels like yeah um it do- doesn't mean that that's the type of love that is sustainable in you know no in 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 our world but it's like it has the sort of otherworldly yes yeah yeah it's really interesting yeah have you done molly sam I don't want to incriminate you. I have because we don't we don't give Sam drugs, you know. We're, no, we definitely we're no no. I have. He I, can I, make I, his own decisions. Yeah, no. I keep thinking of my uh, of, of the experience. I it was on, it was on New Year's, and it was crazy. It was crazy. <laughs> I, every everyone, I mean, just like, I mean, for more, but I just like, yeah. I think that might have been the best that I you know that I ever felt. Kind of felt like Jello because I was. Uh, I mean, there. Are, I mean, there are other things too. I mean, there are other. Drop things. your stack, bro. Yeah. But it's no. just like, but it's just like, wow. I. I was at. I was at. I don't. I don't even really remember what I was, like what I was doing. I just like really had some pleasant conversations with yeah. people, and just felt so good moving around. Yeah. And just like so, and, and just so warm, it was. It, it was really wonderful. It was really wonderful. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta go pee, and then mm-hmm. I, I have, I have a, yeah, okay, I have a quote for you, Sam. Okay, great.
Another thing that, I mean, I don't know how I want to ask, get into this or ask this question, but another thing that I've been, um, I don't know, I've been, I've been playing around with in the past year or trying to figure out that I think it's, it's always useful to talk to you about Mm -hmm. for me is um you know the we're talking about foreclosed dreams and yeah the one of the biggest ones for for me and my generation has been the foreclosure of um uh i guess 
communism oh, <laughs> broad, <laughs> oh yeah broadly broadly put mm-hmm. or or marxism or you know what i mean and i've i think there are times over the past i mean i don't consider myself a conservative like really at all but um you know i, I think i experienced a kind of um over the past few years like rejection of the toxin of of marxism um <laughs> and i don't mean that as a, in a denigrating way i but but just in terms of like it, it i from a sort of psychoanalytic perspective like i came to see it as like a uh something that had like rejected me yeah that because i didn't find any um i didn't find myself in it at all after mm-hmm, after yeah. being invested in marxism at least from a sort of like intellectual or internal perspective for a long time. And then, you know, in the past, in the past like six months, there's been, for me at least, there's been kind of a leveling out where like I'm like interested in it again and Mm -hmm. kind of incorporated it into some of the other stuff that I've like made a part of my life. And you being um, my youngest friend, Mm -hmm. like I think, you know, it's this is a kind of like, fathers and sons uh you know that ivan Turgenev. Mm-hmm. it's like you yes. know it's kind of a, a perennial like the young people are more you know uh prone to 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 belief in mm-hmm. in the in the in the dream and um i feel like we've had not even really debates but just conversations where you've maintained your um you know you've made you've stayed true to your values so i I have a quote for you that I yeah. want to read because and I don't know if you heard, saw in the boys chat, but Antonio Negri died yesterday mm-hmm. and me and Towns were just talking about him in the car and um, his, specifically his type of, you know, autonomia, um, Italian Marxism, maybe even post Marxism. I don't know what you want to call it. He wrote a book called Marx Against Marx <laughs> um, has been like really helpful for me and kind of like squaring those parts of my life. But I want to just first ask you, like, do you, uh, do you consider yourself a Marxist? Um, I think, I I think that's a great question. Um, because it was brought up when I went home, um, by a friend who I would say at this point in my life is probably, uh, more politically radical than I am. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say that I've like, uh, you know, found myself growing more cynical, but certainly more pragmatic. I think, I think when I approach the question of Marxism, I approach it more so as I kind of reject the utopianism that many people ascribe to it. And I'm far more concerned with discussing the kinds of economic, like I use it as a framework for understanding, uh, economic and, you know, uh, and uh, you know, social yeah social dynamics, but I don't necessarily use it as a framework for you know formulating a new a new kind of society because um, you know we discussed in a class I took last year about you know the idea of the problematic that Althusser um, originally conceived of, um, but. You know, I, I, I don't think Marxism is suitable for addressing, you know, these kind of emergent issues uh, that 
are like well beyond the purview of theories of industrial capitalism. Yeah. Um, I just think there needs to be a new problematic, and I don't know if it can come from Marx, but generally... The, the I, subject that he formulated of the proletariat yeah, is... Yeah, exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Incoherent. It doesn't exist, and there's this kind of... And I mean, for a lot of people, I think, you know, for us and, you know, but also just like, you know, my peers, you know, all of the college-educated people, we kind of exist in the strange middle ground. Some people conceive of it as the, you know, managerial class, um, professional managerial class. Um, I've heard it called the lumpen bourgeoisie. Yeah, which mm. I think is actually probably more accurate because these are people who don't really own anything, yeah. but have the same kinds of educational background, um, cultural values, social values, mm -hmm. consumption habits as the bourgeoisie, but they don't have the means of production what they do instead is they work yeah for, and they work for the bourgeoisie wages and they over, yeah. exactly you know and they oversee i guess you know loser wagey <laughs> yeah exactly what's left you know what's left of the proletariat and i think that's um i don't know if i can ascribe anything you know revolutionary to them but i think that i mean i mean there have been attempts i think some of them are really bad unfortunately I'm sorry. I'm sorry to Mackenzie Wark, but I just did not like her writing Bad. Uh, about she said capitalism is dead. What's next? Well, it's certainly not the vectoralist class or whatever. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know. I, I don't. I certainly don't think that like using a framework of new media is necessarily helpful. What I think is more so important is to look at the kinds is, is to look at the way that the nature of labor has changed yeah you, you know the nature of alienation has changed and this return actually you know to rentierism there's something that like uh i mean my my dad's a political scientist so he has done a lot of work on this phenomenon called rentier populism yeah in uh latin america and how you know there are a lot of ostensibly left-wing governments who uh you know relied upon a kind of rentierism where they would where they would lease state controlled assets like oil um to uh you know multinational corporations for mm. exploitation and then use the profits derived from yeah. you know those revenues um to finance social reforms but you know that's a very unstable kind of situation but you can kind of see um you know that process being uh, conducted in this country you can mm -hmm. um i'm thinking of uh foxconn in wisconsin exactly exactly yeah. and <laughs> also just kind of the extractive policies or you know the kind of extractive economics you know this need yeah that instead of just trying to private public partnership yeah yeah or, or or instead of just trying to get a lump sum of money from a consumer you know this kind of uh you know, fixing consumers to a product that they need to constantly renew because yeah. that's, you know, far more lucrative. It's far more lucrative. And that's certainly, you know, kind of concerning because, you know, even the nature of ownership, uh, like, and, you know, the nature of the commodity is called into question because you don't have the kinds of alienated labor that exist anymore because, because no one is manufacturing that yeah. like like you know there's like you know the what commodities are you that we see ourselves reflected in are the are 
projections of ourselves exactly yes Mm -hmm. exactly you know and 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 i i mean if 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 we're thinking about uh you know the the territorialization of the word yeah yeah exactly (laughs) yeah you know if we're thinking about you know the, the territorialization of society um and it's you know use uh as you know um you know a site of value you know, you can really see like the stripping away of public assets and, you know, the commodification, but also, you know, just the commodification of the self, you have data now, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that in, in effect is a kind of, you know, rentierism. You have access to a platform insofar as you provide lucrative data. Yeah. Um, Which is reconstituted algorithmically into a collective subject yeah. that is... Uh, who's doesn't have a form of consciousness that's coherent no, to us. No, no, no. And then, and <laughs> then, you know, I think this is, you know, this is why we need a new mysticism. <laughs> Say more. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just think that like, I agree. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I mean, I just, but it can't be fascist. No. Cause I was just no. reading Nazi literature in the Americas by Bolaño. Oh yeah. And uh, it made me really nervous that I was going to lapse into fascism. <laughs> Well, you know, it just, it, it depends. Well, you know, first you have to check the way that you close your doors and put things away. You know, you got to make sure that you gently close the car door and, and, and close the door to the bathroom. Hated, you can't slam. They yeah. hated the way I closed the door in Colombia. They, because all the doors there close really gently. Oh, and no. In America, they, they're really heavy. You know, exactly. you got the car door is really heavy. So I'd be slamming and they'd be like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Well, you know, that's not a fascist country then. <laughs> can't be can't be if the car door slams <laughs> if the car door closes gently um well maybe let me can i read this quote yeah i i want to it's it's going to be kind of long and it, and it is it does have a bit of jargon in it um but i i was thinking about this just in relationship to our whole conversation, but also to what you were writing about with Bob mm-hmm. music. But this is from a pamphlet that Tony Negri was writing um, in 1977, kind of in, in tandem with the emergence of the mo- what's, what was called the Movement of 77, which was, a, um, I, I guess, broadly speak, speaking, um, a kind of um, ad hoc social movement characterized by the refusal of work wildcat strikes um but then also eventually became embroiled in the 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 kidnapping of of aldo moro it's funny i was reading about that this morning which was eventually Mm -hmm. sort of used to delegitimate the movement um and and specifically to send tony negri to prison for Mm -hmm. i think 13 years um he, he, he escaped to switzerland for a while and then he went back to italy to serve his prison sentence and published a lot of his work behind bars and then eventually became like kind of like a mainstream academic mm-hmm. with his work with Michael Hart, um, the American, um, what would he see a political scientist? Yeah. yeah Empire. Yeah. 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 But, but this is from 77 and he's, um, this is from an article called domination and sabotage. So let me just, I'll just read this and it, um, it's going to be a little long, but just bear with me. Um, so when I theorize an independence of the process of proletarian self-valorization, 
and when I examine the possibility of its having an internal dialectic of continuous recomposition between structural functions and attacking functions, I am bound to draw certain methodological conclusions. First, it seems to me fundamental cons to consider the totality of the process of proletarian self-valorization as alternative to and radically different from the totality of the process of capitalist production and reproduction. I realize that I am exaggerating the position and oversimplifying its complexity, but I also know that this intensive road, this radical break with the totality of capitalist development, is a fundamental experience of the movement as it stands today. Today, the process of constituting class independence is first and foremost a process of separation. I am emphasizing this forced separation in order to clarify the overall meaninglessness of a capitalist world within which I find myself constituted in non-independent form, in the form of exploitation. I thus refuse to accept the recompositional dialectics of capital. I affirm in sectarian manner my own separateness, my own independence, the differentness of my constitution. As H.J. Kral understood, um, the totality of class consciousness is first and foremost an intensive condition, a process of intensification of class self-identity as a productive being, which destroys the relationship with the totality of the capitalist system. Working class self-valorization is first and foremost destructuration of the enemy totality, taken to a point of exclusivity in the self-recognition of the class's collective independence. For my own part, I do not see the history of class consciousness in a Lukashian sense, as some future all-embracing recomposition. On the contrary, I see it as a moment of intensive rooting within my own separateness. I am other, as also is the movement of that collective praxis within which I move. I belong to the other movement of the working class. So I must assume this radical otherness as a methodological precondition of the subversive case we are arguing namely the project of proletarian self-valorization. But what about the relationship with the totality of history, the relationship with the totality of the system? Here I must now face up to the second methodological consequence of my assumption. My relationship with the totality of capitalist development, with the totality of historical development, is guaranteed solely by the force of destructuration that the movement determines, by the global sabotage of the history of capital that the movement enacts. There is only one way that I can read the history of capital, as the history of a, of a continuity of operations of self-reestablishment that capital and its state have to set in motion in order to counter the continuous breakdown process, the permanent provocation towards separation that the real movement brings about. The present state of things is built upon a continuity of destruction, of abolition, of transcendence that the real movement brings about. I define myself by separating myself from the totality. I define, I define the totality as other than me, as a net which is cast over the continuity of the historical sabotage that the class operates. This is almost done. And thus, here is the third methodological implication. There is no homology, no possible immediate translatability of languages, of logics, of signs, between the reality of the movement as I experience it and the overall framework of capitalist development with its contents and its objectives. <laughs> Excellent. That was really, really good. Uh, what do you think about that, Sam? Oh, I think I'm, I think a lot about it. Um, 
I mean, I think part of it too is this idea that, you know, this always already kinds, uh, uh, you know, existence of a kind of, you know, unifying proletarian subjectivity that exists outside of, you know, the dictates of capitalism, that actually what capitalism does is try to, uh, you know, naturalize a particular kind of subjectivity. Um, and it seems that Negri is trying to posit, uh, you know, a, a kind of, you know, reconsideration of what it means to be a proletarian yeah. um, by taking into account, like, the lived experience um, and, you know, this kind of condition of otherness that is kind of intractable yeah. from uh, being being a pro, um, you know, being a, both a subject of capitalism and a proletarian. Um, I mean, there's a lot of focus on this in one of the media studies courses that I took that, you know, you have these bonds between people that emerge um, in spite of their difference or that, you know, the conspicuousness of their difference is what um, helps to inform a kind um, a kind of subjectivity. And I think that's certainly true here. Um, and I think that's true of, you know, the music in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, uh, the theorist Don Veer Singh Brar talked about how this music persists in spite of the conditions that it's subject to, you know, this kind of external regulation. And, you know, that regulation exists much like in this book to, or, or you know, much like in Negri's account, to try to um, normalize um, yeah. and, you know, restructure a kind of sociality that exists or, you know, that threatens it's threatening. Um, yeah. I mean, something like sicko mob is, you know, is threatening because, yeah. you know, <laughs> this is like, I've, I've seen the ghetto in Chicago framed as like, uh, a Fordist post-capital waste containment zone. Um, and you know, the kind of enforcement or, you know, constant regulation is a means of, attempting to affirm that but the existence of bop you know this kind of lived social you know sociality um you know this lived experience of blackness um points to the fact that okay you know that we are made other by the system but at the same time our otherness is what allows us to you know construct a subjectivity that exists yeah. in you know immediate opposition or, you know, kind of perpetual opposition. So, I mean, it's beautiful. I thought it was beautiful. Uh, excellent writer. He's an excellent writer. <laughs> I, I, I take it as, um, I don't know, it's inspiring to me because it, even though I think in some ways it's, um, you know, certain, th certain parts of it are stuck in the 70s. Mm -hmm. um, there's a kind of wilding. Yeah to the to the kind of revolutionary subject that at the same time is resistant to this kind of utopian anarchism of just like mm -hmm. we're gonna build the commune yeah. It, yeah it's more about this sort of experience that is like yes. radically separate from yeah um you know that what you described as like the this sort of naturalizing effect mm -hmm. of capital yeah which is like 
you know, we all know that when we see it, Mm -hmm. you know, it was what we saw in full force during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I think that's like, you know, uh, I, I would certainly need to like study up to square things. I feel like that's yeah. like my main, you know, I, I was thinking about this when you, when you brought up uh, Nazi literature in the Americas yeah, and that fear of like slipping in to fascism when, yeah. you, when you, um, <clears throat> you know, like I have a, I have like a real interest currently and in, I'm reading a lot about magic and, and, hermeticism and things like that and there is a deep vein of that in fascism um but like the reason that i'm reading it is because it it's almost like this science of experience yeah Hmm. and um i don't i think that that's like it's a neutral thing i mean there are like versions of it you know that Hmm. veer from like pure like love yeah to you know like evil yeah you know and then <clears throat> there are things beyond that but it it to me it's like i i feel like we are all attempt like it's like we are all just attempting right now and like clawing to be like humans mm-hmm. and that's like you know like we're human, trying to develop human dignity pill yeah. literally we're yeah. just yeah. like it's like we don't even like that's why a lot of this stuff like doesn't even hit because it's like it's like we don't we we weren't even born with dignity we're like we're generations away from like human like dignity and yeah. like being like human beings mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's how it feels um and that's you know i feel like is kind of like turned into things like intergenerational trauma and yeah. things like that where it's just like at like we don't even realize it but like like our like we don't even like know what like experience is and like what it is to be you know part of a you know this like like a group and and things like that and like and because we don't even know what it is to like be ourselves um i don't know i just i feel like that's like where my kind of uh connect like interest in in like like anarchism came from and and why it's like i i am interested in 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 kind of like squaring that with like with like the people around me and like further you know through through like love and things like that as as corny as it is but it's like yeah um I I don't even know. I just, I feel like that's like what's been going on in my mind. And I think that, you know, Bob kind of like points to that. It's like that true, like, it's like everything is crushing down on it, but like the nature of like being a a human being. Exactly. Yeah. Like blast forth. To to me, like, to me, like listening to Bob music, I've, I've like have a vision of like me and all my friends, like chilling like in heaven, like at the end of the world, <laughs> like we're all together. Again. Oh my God. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, it's like, it has this, like, I don't know, dude, it's hard to describe, mm-hmm. but I know what you're saying. And when I, I mean, to clarify, when I said like anarchic, when I used the word anarchy, I, oh, I wasn't no, no, trying I'd... to like slam anarchy <laughs> Absolutely as a, not. as a, in, br- you can <laughs> broad concept. I just meant yeah. like there is certain types of Marxism I mean, even like Tony Negri's later writing, I would say, 
where he talks about the multitude, right? Yeah. I feel like it's easy to lapse into this kind of like, well, we're just going to like, I mean this, I don't know, dude, the shit is like, obviously <laughs> like I, I'm not a, I'm not a political scientist. I, this isn't about strategy and tactics for me, you know, no. this is feelings based, but I do, I think that there's, there's a certain type of leftist Marxism. Um, maybe you would describe it as communitarian or something or, um, where like, I feel like there's just this idea that, um, this radical otherness is then mm -hmm. like an institution that you can turn into a revolution. And yeah. I don't really believe that. No, it's, no. Yeah. I, I, I think that that's naive. Yeah. 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 Um, but I, I have the same, you know, aspiration that yeah. I think you're expressing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's clearly, you know, to be, I guess to be clear about all of this is that I think that like the only way you can like, yeah, get get, you know, really uh to be more human is is through, you know, your connections with other people. Yeah. Oh, certainly. I don't I don't no, think that you can no. just do it on your own. I no. think that that can become something else. Yeah. Um it's definitely it's definitely something that I I just want to go back to that thing that you said about how you know, we're all, you know, detached from kind of an essential humanness. Mm. Um and to a certain extent, I kind of feel as if that's just so pervasive amongst people my age that people engage with each other on the level of abstraction, you know, an abstraction about who this person is um, that, you know, kind of uh, stereotypes are far more serviceable as a means of engaging with the essence of a person than, you know, just actually trying to approach them. And I think that's what makes, you know, love really hard. I think it makes, uh, you know, intimacy really hard because there's this kind of attempt at navigating the extent to which people are engaging with you as yourself or, you know, very engaging with um, not necessarily like, a concept of you because everyone has, you know, I mean, uh, you know, you're, you're rendered subjectively by every, yeah. by every person, but more so like a very particular image of your person is, yeah. you know, that isn't necessarily susceptible to change. It's, it's, uh, you know, effectively been reified or concretized and that's, it's certainly frightening, at least for me because you know change is kind of an essential and i know people are seeking stability but you have to afford yourself you know the opportunity to you know be hurt but be hurt with dignity and it's really hard because i think you know i think people uh are weary of intimacy and you know weary and it, it will much prefer to engage with people on a very abstract level because hmm. it it helps to disguise, you know, a kind of essential humanness that we're not really all too accustomed to, hmm. you know, that mm -hmm. we've effectively been deprived of. Um, like, I feel like, you, you know, precisely because there's so much discussion of love, it's 
you know, its absence is really palpable. Um, and I think that's really, I think that's really true. Um, and I think that's kind of a defining characteristic of a lot of, you know, relationships, but just like even, but like a society so fat fixated on the ideas of love, intimacy, and, uh, um, you know, uh, you know, relationships, uh, is a society hurting, you know, for lack of them. Yeah. And it's something that really scares me. I think it scares a lot of people, but we just don't have the language to talk about. It. Yeah. I have, I, I have something that I thought about. Um, I don't, I don't think that I like, like, what I said about like being disconnected from, from it. Mm-hmm. I think that from uh, what, from, from our humanness yeah. or from love or from other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that's like, it is like what you reach for. Cause it's like, I don't feel it. Um, but I think that this is like, you know, one of the reasons why there has been kind of like over the last, you know, with, with the internet has, uh, like Gnosticism has like, just like the, the idea of, the a, idea. Se- of a hidden, a mm-hmm. secret. Yeah. Like, well, just experience or just, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean like the, the, I'll, most people point towards like, you know, the evil God, oh, you know, the, like the, the material, demiurge. the, yeah. De- de- yeah, the demiurgical reality. But what I think is the most like important part of Gnosticism, not whether or not, you know, there are de- many forms of whatever God means in that world. Yeah. But I think the most useful thing is that um, being in our material reality uh, means that there are, uh, and and our soul being descending into this material reality um, means that like on its way down, it, it becomes shrouded in many layers Mm-hmm. yeah but it's still always connected it's just it is and it's still always there yeah um it's but it's shrouded right like the images that are 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 cast off of a person the abstractions still carry with them the potential to to lead you to the mm-hmm. exactly the whole oh. that's like the and and the, the i mean the veil can be lifted like oh. you know in in a crazy way you know it, yeah and i think that something about like connection or disconnection requires like almost like an arbitration to like reconnect yeah but like a shroud can just be like taken away and it's just like it's full force there yeah and that's kind of like how bop music feels <laughs> yeah yes <laughs> to go yes. back to it yeah yeah bop music is the cure uh, yeah it's messianic for sure yeah. oh god yeah exactly <laughs> Do you think that um, you are messiah? Do you think that your your Jewish um, heritage gives you a messianic predisposition? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Is that racist? Not. No, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of people who think who who think that way. I mean, there's. I remember walking in my neighborhood uh, one time, and there's this sign above this house, and it says. The Moshiach is 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 coming soon, and I'm like, oh man, I don't I don't know, uh, I, I, 
you know, I don't really know about that. Uh, you know, wishful thinking. Um, but no, it's not something. I think that when like I think of like my Jewishness, it, it's just more so a, like a a unique kind of approach to, I guess, you know, relationships. It's, it's not really so much from the religion. It's just kind of like existing, you know, on on this periphery in some respects. I mean, you know, Jews are very you know prominent figures throughout history, but there's always this kind of peripheral. Um, existence that's been you know accorded to them um and i think that's really interesting there's this excellent essay by uh the i I guess that he was a biographer too um but i guess the the theorist isaiah berlin i believe Mm -hmm. called the message of a non-jewish jew that you know talks about how uh you know you know there's a kind of heretical tendency in Judaism that is actually somewhat necessary for the advancement or, or, you know, that emerges from this uncomfortable position of both being inside and outside of either culture, you know, being trapped in between, you know, either, you know, being trapped by Judaism or, uh, or, or being trapped in between Judaism and, uh, you know, a wider, the dominant society and, you know, that kind of distance, mm. You know, the ability to see beyond both because you exist outside um, is like something. The magician. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, is is something that I feel is an essential quality, at least um, associated with the kinds of you know Jewish thinkers that I look up to. Because I because I struggle with you know my ancestry and my faith. Um, if you know, I won't even really say that I'm all that religious, but I have some connection. Um, but I feel, I really feel like that connection there speaks to how I feel both in, you know, in between. Hmm. And I think that's kind of, uh, and that's not necessarily true for, you know, all Jews and nor, and nor does it mean that others are exempt from that. It's just, there's a kind of a history there because of the unique condition yeah. Uh, Jews, at least in Europe, but if you think about Marx and Freud and um, Spinoza, you know, people who really transformed the way we think about the world, you know, like that's, and so I guess in that respect, um, it's somewhat messianic, but I, 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 I you know, I like how that, uh, you know, messian, uh, I like how that status is actually determined more more so by the fact that they were heretical rather than anything else, you know, that they existed outside of, you know, Ivor culture. Mm. Yeah. I want to wait till Nick gets back before we continue. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Like I, I love our, our like try turning it back to Bob. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, it's just true. But it's true. It's mm-hmm. like and and all of that is um, related to Bob music. Yeah, because they are, and it's yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's all it's all interconnected. It is. It's really remarkable. It's really remarkable. Is the is this room so awesome? So awesome. How you guys feeling? Good. 
I'm feeling good. I feel like we've been. We've been going. We have. Yeah. We're almost at two hours. Wow. Is, there any, is there anything else you want to talk about that you want to say? Get off your chest. Um. Tell the people. Oh, to the people. It's a good. I was wondering if you could. I don't know. So I'll be off to Australia soon. I, I was thinking about talking about Australia, but. I mean, there's not really much for... I haven't been there yet, so... You don't know yet. <laughs> Are you excited? I am. I am excited. I think it, I think it's going to be really interesting. Um, I'm, not, I'm not so nervous. What I'm more so nervous is that... Well, actually, I, I, I do think that this connects. I mean, it doesn't necessarily connect, um, you know, to what we just discussed, but uh, it certainly connects to, you know, this idea of the strength of relationships... You know, I, I, I'm somewhat nervous. I don't think I've ever been away from, you know, people whom I know or whom I care about for so long. Yeah. And, you know, so isolated. Like, it, I think that, like, cause, because I've been, in, cause I've been to Europe. I mean, I've been to Europe with my family. But, like, I could fairly, you know, communicate with people at home fairly easily because the time difference wasn't so immense. But, I mean, at least if I think about here... Is it like 12 hours? What is it? From here, it's 17. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> 17. That's, 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 that's crazy. That's, that's a, tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, I mean, if you think about it, like, mm-hmm. it's just the reverse of, of Europe, because Europe is six or seven hours ahead. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we'll just yeah. be at, it'll be like, whatever, yeah. night or daytime for you. Yeah. I just, I just find it so strange, because I'm, I'm just going to be apart from a lot of people for a really long time. And I'm just curious as to how, you know, distance will affect communication. And I know that, um, you know, I know that it will be nice, you know, to find, you know, to like be alone and, you know, to have an experience that in some respects is wholly my own. But it's, it's also, I think it's also hard and, you know, just, you know, just looping back to the kind of transience that is associated with, uh, you know, the, you know, the transition from adolescence to young adulthood. Um, like this is certainly going to prove itself to be formative, um, or, you know, be like kind of a milestone in my life to a certain extent. Yeah. But it's certainly hard because there's this desire. I mean, I think that this is certainly one of the most daring things (laughs) I've done. Um, because I mean I, I I don't even necessarily feel as if I've had had a time at all to settle myself here. Just I mean just like after returning, um, I mean I've been here for a, you know for a while, but at least like this semester I haven't had the time to settle myself, and now I'm already you know uprooting myself again, and then I'll be gone, and then I'll be back, and I'll be here for a little bit, and then you know I might return home, I might go, you know, so you know this kind of. And it really tests, you know, it really tests, you know, the, yeah. you know, the durability of relationships and, you know, really uh, forces you know, people to ask, you know, what's meaningful to them. And, uh, you know, it's kind of, yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, shit, bro. We'll still yeah. be here. <laughs> yeah, we'll be here. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting. I mean, you're going out. Uh, we started talking about uh, making friends through the internet, yeah, or like through you know in person, and 
I feel like, yeah, going, you're going as far out as you can. Mm-hmm. And, but you're going to be, I mean, everyone speaks like English there. Like the yeah. communication. Arguably. Really be, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, exactly. Like, like you're going to be able to communicate, you yeah. know, with people. So like you will, it's like, it, it'll like blossom, mm-hmm. you know, or you could, you know, have you tried to see if anyone out there is from Australia yet? I know some on the people. Internet? Yeah, oh, no, yeah. I I know some people. I actually know someone. In... <laughs> Is anyone out there on the internet? Yeah, yeah. from Australia. <laughs> no, I, they I got know... that out there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I know someone who's actually at the school that I'll be attending. So I actually like. I feel good about that, and I also feel good about the weather. It's just more so. <laughs> of yeah, yeah. I mean, God, it's gonna be summertime. Yeah. Oh, uh, I just still think that. I think it's going to be hard for everyone, um, but it's be hard for everyone not having you around. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be hard for us, bro. Yeah, yeah. no, I was just, uh, no. I mean, just kind of, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I'm just kind of stunned into silence, you know. By kind of, it, it, I don't think it's really hit me yet, um, but. It's gonna be dope. Dude. I know. Yeah. Dope. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be sick. Yeah. Oh, shoot. I think we should sign off. I yeah. think so. Yeah. yeah. I think this was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Feel good about this, yeah. Sam. I do too. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I yeah. know. Awesome. Exactly. I'm very excited. We'll see you next year. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Year, man. <laughs> I'll see you next year. All right. All right. Peace.
fuck any nigga that say no me and the track. Got hoes, couple of points with suicide dogs. We out of time, we rockin' them show, try to take gold down. That's a no, no. Oh, 